are listening to the Marginally Geeky Show, the Epically Geeky Book Club. Greetings, and welcome to the Marginally Geeky Show. I'm your host for the evening, Eugene Stevens. Tonight, I'm joined by uh, Chris and Ray. (laughs) Nice pose. Uh, Chris and Ray Andrew and Jennifer Hetzel. How are y'all doing? Good. Good evening. Oh, no. Anytime you want to slip into the voice, it's fine. Um, (laughs) Oh, now you've just given them the the whole show now. Great. Sorry. Um, He's pretty much just going to read. He's going to read the book, you know, as we go through. So, Um, uh, yeah, we're really excited for this book. Um, Before we get started on it, um, anything interesting happened to anyone since the last time we talked? The last time we talked was a month and a half ago. We've been. Got a little behind on recording this episode, but uh, <laughs> what happened there? Was, yeah. uh, let's see. I went to Disney World, which was kind yes. of a big deal. Oh, yes. Y'all got a puppy. There he is. He's cute. <laughs> He's very tired he, right now. That's his mad. Is, 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 he, is his name Gizmo or Mugwai? Wicket. Wicket. Why do yeah. I keep thinking? Because I, I, he looks like, like, look at him. He looks like Gizmo. Yeah. The ears. It's the ears. Yeah. He's not and coloring. Radar would have been another good name, so. What what would have been? Radar. Because of the ears. Oh. <laughs> oh what? Sit on. I'm not saying <laughs> Yes, don't, don't, don't sit on the pupper. He looks a little scared. We decided to sit right behind yeah, me right now. He's like right behind me. Yeah, so I don't know, and then Christmas happened. <clears throat> yeah. Christmas. And, and then it snowed had... for like three weeks. And today it's raining. And it's raining, and now half the most of the snow's gone. And now we're under a flash freezing warning. Yay! Yay! So, Canada. <laughs> go Canada. And and you had Disney, which was you said it was great. Yep, Disney was awesome. So, uh, anything going on with you, Jen? No, not not really. No. <laughs> She's but like, I nope. Saw, I saw Stick Bay, and you had a card with Stick Bay. Like that's getting pretty. Yeah. Serious. Oh yeah. Christmas with Stick Bay, and uh, it's National Pizza Week yes, here in America. Yes, I'm following oh. with you. I oh, wish yeah. I could. Uh... Uh, as per my, um, you know, usual annual tribute to it, I have to eat pizza every day the whole week. I've done this like four years now, and yeah, it's and... fun. But man, I start to feel like shit like <laughs> about now. So <laughs> I'm making sure you, you can persevere. Today. But you can man, do it. my body is hating me right now. <laughs> Were you eating salad when you're not eating pizza? or I'm eating meals with vegetables. Maybe not. Okay, fair enough. Something, yeah. So I'm trying to balance it out, but still. Bell pepper. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's been fun. Good deal. Um... Like I said, we've been excited to uh, to talk about this book. Um, I'm super excited for it, mainly because um, this is a, a book series that, like, kind of to talk about how the the show works. We usually would get together and uh, I'd, I'd on the on a Facebook chat we would say, "Hey, what books do we want to read?" We'd all propose some books or whatever, and we got and got to the point where, like, all right, well, these are the books we're going to do. Let's kind of rate them, figure out which one. What we're gonna do uh, in what order? And uh, I was I, I proposed this one, and I proposed it several times. Um, 
And when it finally came up, we're like, all right, we're going to read this. I'm just like, oh, man, I hope people like this. And I started getting messages that I finished it. I'm starting on the second book already, and I'm just like, yay. So (laughs) because um, I found this book series, and I don't even remember how I found it last year. Uh, but I found this book series, and I just instantly fell in love with it. Um, there are four books in the series. We are talking about the first one tonight. The name of the series is the Magic 2.0 series. And the first book that we are uh, in the series that we're talking about tonight is called Off to Be the Wizard by Scott Meyer. Um, before we get started, just general thoughts. Like I said, I've kind of already let the cat out of the bag that I know we all enjoyed it. But um, I guess to say how... How far into the book did you get before it like started kind of clicking with you, or did it kind of instantly grab you, Ray? Um, so I was intrigued when he found the file. Like, okay, where is this going? Mm-hmm. And then when it was the introduction with Philip, I'm like, okay, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, not just because of the voice. Are you sure? Yes. That's part of it. Yes, <laughs> but uh, but <clears throat> it was the wit. I I really enjoyed the little bit of and Gert. I mean, how could you not like Gert? Oh, Gert! <laughs> oh yeah, and uh, <laughs> she's like Brianna Tarth. Yeah, that's what I picture is Brianna Tarth. <laughs> so anyway, I just yeah, it's it was really intriguing. Uh, so that was the moment for me anyway. What about you? Uh, what about you, Chris? Uh, the same, because I when I heard "Off to Be the Wizard," I'm like, "This got something to do with Oz." Yeah. Like I was just that's what I thought. Uh, that's what I thought too. <laughs> yes, and it's yeah. So I was pleasantly surprised when uh, it's he started talking about this file and he started adjusting his height, and I'm like, "Oh!" And then when he went to see Philip and just Philip, the whole smackdown of that whole thing, I was just like, "Oh!" oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Especially the <laughs> oh, yeah, yes, and then Philip, you know, just slaps his ass. And it's like, <laughs> uh, what about you, Jen? Yeah, pretty much the same. Uh, I I wasn't like I said the biggest fan of Marty at the beginning, and and Philip was one of my probably my favorite character. Um, mm-hmm. So meeting him was kind of what did it for me after. Okay, now I can kind of see a story developing. Before it was kind of like, okay, what's going to happen? Yeah. He's just being a stupid kid, you know, spending money, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I will say, I also really enjoyed the FBI agents. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> They're hilarious. <laughs> yes. Um, all right, well, let's, let's just kind of dive okay. into it. Um, the book, like I said, is called Off to Be the Wizard. Um, it starts off with Martin Banks. He's a... Um, just kind of an average run-of-the-mill guy. He's really into computers, and uh, he has kind of a dead-end job. Sounds familiar to a lot of people. Uh, but one late, late one night, he's uh, just kind of you know goofing off on the internet. He's a bit of a hacker, but never really calls himself that. And he finds this file tucked away on this server somewhere, you know, deep inside you know this this company or whatever. And the file intrigues him because the file is much is is like it's much larger than it it pretends to be, and That's so when great. he opens it up, yeah, it, when he opens it up, it's it's just basically a bunch of data, and he's like the first thing I always do is look for my name, and he it took like ten minutes for this you know uh, search to come up, and he he stresses that fact he's like you know 
it's just a text file. This should not take 10 minutes to, f to search a text file, but it does because it's so vast. And when it he finds out his information, he's looking at some different data, and there's some data that's kind of fluctuating. And he looks at something, he kind of figures it out, and he's like, oh, well, they've got my height wrong. So he changes it from like 5'8 to 6 foot, which is what he's always said he is. And he then proceeds to go to the bathroom and starts to notice, oh, my pants are kind of short and all of a sudden i can see on the top of the mirror and that's really dusty i need to dust up there yeah and he <laughs> thinks about it and it's not really sinking in so he measures himself and then he goes back and he changes the file back to what it says and goes back and measures himself like four times just before he starts changing and messing around with that as he's looking at the dust i love that he's he's realized that his, his aim is off yes <laughs> so he's cleaning the wall he's like this is stupid <laughs> <laughs> yes, because it's late at night. I think he said he's had a couple of drinks or whatever, so he's just like, this is not happening, and is is freaking the fuck out about it, mm -hmm. Um, and then proceeds to start playing with the file and figures out he can do certain things, that this file literally controls the universe. It controls everything in the universe. Um, some of the numbers are easy to figure out. Some of them aren't, but like he figures out a couple of things. Number one, uh, he figures out longitude and latitude. He can actually teleport himself, so he does that. He's not very smart about it, and he teleports himself to Boston Market, not wearing any shoes and not without his house, you know, without his house keys. But he figures out he can teleport. He also figures out um, that he can time travel, but only backwards. You can't travel forwards for some reason, but you can travel backwards. Um, and when he does this. He proceeds to, number one, he, he realizes that he's not as good-looking as he thinks he is, which he figures that's kind of a letdown. Uh, <laughs> but um, He's frumpy. <laughs> he's frumpy, yes. Uh, and and kind of confused and not very attractive. Uh, but he ends up playing, he ends up going back again, ends up playing uh, uh, poker with himself. And um, he didn't find it very enjoyable because he kept losing. Um, and so whenever he gets to that point where he goes back, he enjoys it more this time because he can kind of remember some of the hands and he wins everything. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, he also figures out that he can adjust his bank balance simply by changing a number. So he thinks about it and he's like, all right, so here's my plan. I basically can control my life using this. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to lay low. I'm not going to screw anything up. I'll just dump a little money in here in my bank account here and there. You know, nothing big. You know, I'm not going to do something stupid like give myself like a billion dollars. Um, but I'll just go to work and, and knowing that, you know, I can do this, life should be fine. So he proceeds to go like, to work. and He justifies it because he's like, it's not illegal. Exactly. Not it's not illegal. It's not stealing anything. No. Technically true, but. Yes. Uh, well, as another character later on in the story says, you know, it's not illegal yet. <laughs> um, but uh, so he goes to work and proceeds to figure out that, yeah, this is stupid. Why would I waste all my time on a job that I really don't care about? So he proceeds to quit his job and he gets to looking around his apartment and it's not really that great now that he's looking at it with these fresh eyes as to what could be. So he, you know, puts a little money in his bank account, buys some new furniture and he can't really get it into his car, so he had to buy a new car, and he's setting up his new computer on his furniture, and he's like, that's stupid. Why would I he set up a new computer? He didn't buy the car for he – he leased it or financed it so that – Oh, yes. You know, it's, it's at least realistic. Exactly, yes. I'm sorry. I forgot about that. Um, so he proceeds to buy a new computer and sets it up, and he's in the process of, of buying a few other things, and he gets back to his apartment, and there's a, a – uh, dark sedan parked there with some very gruff looking guys 
And it's at this point we're introduced to um, two FBI. Well, they're not FBI. Treasury. They're, yes. they're from the Treasury. But yeah. you would think they're FBI, but they're from the Treasury. Um, <laughs> and um, oh, what is their name again? I forgot. Murphy and, um, Miller. Murphy yes. and Miller, yes. And they are the classic good cop, bad cop. And they're asking him, where did he get this money from? Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot a very important part. So before he does, she starts getting in too deep on this. He he does think ahead. He does have the forethought to think, all right, if I screw this up, where can, what can I do? And he thinks about it and he's like, what if I just like went back in time far enough that maybe I could use this, you know, these powers that I've given myself and like. Which he's uh, controlling all through his cell phone. Yes, yeah. which he's controlling through his cell phone and like. It's kind of magic. Like, I'm kind of doing magic. When can I go back in time where I'm not immediately going to be burned as a witch and magic's kind of like, oh, well, magic's the thing. It's, it's you know. Uh, so he settles on, he finds a book on Amazon and reads, just does a quick brief read-through of the uh, 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 synopsis. And it's like, all right, well, I'll go back to medieval England. And he sets it up on his phone so he's got an escape plan in case things go south. So anyway, <laughs> he gets picked up by these treasury agents, and they're asking him how he you know, deposited these three large sums of money into his bank account with no deposit slip and no access and no nothing. Like, this money has just appeared. Um, so he proceeds to get his phone uh, back from them so he can show them how he did it. And teleport himself back to his apartment where there are other agents that are waiting for him. They're going through his stuff. So he basically runs out and jumps in the car and proceeds to uh, take them on a very slow, uh, <laughs> a very chase. slow chase um, to his parents' house where he arrives. Uh, he he teleports mom. out. Of, he teleports out of the car. Uh, trying to throw them off, but they find him. So he ends up running into the house, running into his bedroom, um, throwing on his uh, Malfoy costume, mm -hmm. which, you know, everyone mistakes that he wore in college or whatever, and proceeds to go back to medieval England. Um, so he shows up uh, near the Cliffs of Dover, not quite there because he didn't really account for continental drift or erosion. He's not really 100% sure. He's just glad he picked the spot he picked because if he had picked a little further the other way, he would have appeared like really far hanging out over nothing. Uh, and so he proceeds to try to walk to the nearest town and uh, comes across some guys and, you know, they – take him for what he thinks is, you know, he assumes they think he's a wizard. Um, and then he meets a young lady that's on a cart and she doesn't seem scared of him. And she knows that he's a wizard. She's like, well, obviously from your clothes, your name, you are a wizard. Um, and her name is Gwen. She's the, uh, the steamstress at the local town of lead church. Um, and the name, the, the name of the town is interesting because it gets the name from the church, which is literally covered in lead. <laughs> That everybody, that, that everybody likes to touch and kids and like lick. to lick. <laughs> yeah. But they try to persuade the kids not to lick not the church. Lick it. it makes them sick. <laughs> yes. Um, and so uh, on the trip, he's trying to get some information out of her and he's trying to seem, he's trying to see, seem wizardly or whatever. And she brings up the fact that she's not scared of him because, you know, if they did get into trouble, having a wizard would be pretty helpful. And that, um, uh, you know, uh, wizards are celibate, so she's not worried about him, like, you know, trying to ravish her or anything. And, of course, he's disheartened by that news. Um, Which <clears throat> I find is hilarious now because I forgot about that part. 
Yes. Especially once you get further into the books, it be that yeah. <laughs> um and so anyway, she she drops him off at the rotted stump, which is the the local tavern there at the at Lead Church. Um and so he proceeds to go in and tells uh what is the guy's name who runs who runs the rotted stump? Um Paul. Uh, it's uh no. Pete. Pete. Pete, Pete runs the Rotted stump because he literally has a stump for one arm, um, and he he meets Pete and he's like, hey, you know, uh, I'm a wizard, and um, if I demonstrate my powers, you know, would you give me free room and board and and a meal tonight? And Pete's like, well, you know, if you know, maybe it would have been smarter for you to say you weren't going to demonstrate your powers, <laughs> and then proceeds to tell him about how the only person who eats for free uh, at the rotted stump is um, Gert. is who. Gert. And Gert is about the size of a bus. And Gert walks up and he's like, How about um how about, you know, you, you we try this again and Gert not show you her persuasive you know, her persuasive uh things. And he's like, Okay. Um so it's at this point that uh the uh they send for the the uh town wizard and he's like, All right. Obviously, this guy's a charlatan. This guy's, you know, trying to be a mystic or whatever. I'm sure, you know, I'm going to show this guy up. And who knows? Maybe, you know, maybe I can take over his role and things won't be so bad. Uh, so they send for the town wizard. And the wizard shows up. And his name is Philip. <laughs> uh, and Philip walks in. Philip's very cheerful. He's, oh, hey, you're another wizard. That's that's awesome. That's great. And um, he's like, let's, you know, can you let's see you do your power? Yeah, can you can you do anything to prove it? And so he offers to produce um see-through material, which is a plastic bag. <laughs> see-through fabric. And they're like, "Can you produce more of the see-through fabric?" So he's like, "Sure." So they throw him into a little closet and he uses his phone. He pops back to his parents' house where he runs out real quick. Now He's able to jump back in time pretty much so to, to his parents. Literally, he ran into his bedroom, shut the door, and like a half second later, the door opens back up. And now he's wearing this Malfoy costume and asking about heavy-duty saran wrap. And, <laughs> and he runs out, and he grabs the saran wrap, and he goes back, he goes back into, the, uh, uh, into his room, pops back in time, proceeds to put the saran wrap like kind of into his 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 hood or jacket or whatever and then starts pulling it out through his sleeves and goes out and produces this see-through material that everybody has to pull out and uh philip's really amazed and he's like that's really awesome you know we have a lot of stuff in common maybe we should go back to my place and we can talk about wizardly things and he just kind of throws an attitude he's like well i'm a real wizard why don't you show me your power and philip's like all right Okay, listen, yeah, we're we're both wizards here. We don't really need to kind of go into this and he just keeps pushing pushing the subject. So Philip tells him, "All right, fine. If if this is the way things are going to be, let's go outside and have a wizard's duel. Basically, uh you show me a power and I'll one up that and we keep going until the other one can't do it." Um so uh he had programmed in his phone a crude way of hovering <laughs> which was basically resetting his altitude at three feet, 10 times per second. But because it's not constant, he basically kind of vibrates in air, which is what Ray was doing earlier with the voice. Um, so he goes outside and he pulls out his phone and it's kind of like an old school. 
boys and pulls out, you know, <laughs> secretly hides his phone and begins to hover. And he's doing his, well, Philip, can you beat this? <laughs> and Wizard, and Philip says, I'll try. And his staff glows and this huge ball of light surrounds him and he flies up in the air and he does like multiple spins and comes back down and is like really showing some awesome ass magic. And at this point, uh, he knows he's been beaten and he's trying to run away, but he's still hovering in air. So he really can't get anywhere. Yeah. And at this point, Philip basically takes his wand or takes his, uh, takes his staff and proceeds to hit him like a hockey puck into, <laughs> into the forest. Um, the next thing you know, he wakes up and he's in Philip's hut. And uh, Philip basically tells him, look, I'm not going to hurt you. If I wanted to hurt you, I could have. Last night, uh, we, you know, after everything was done, I went and grabbed you and found this magical device and shows him his phone. Of course, he kind of freaks out about that. And, um, um, and you know, and, and says, you know, listen, this must be pretty powerful magic, you know, if you, you're able to do it even when you're, you know, knocked unconscious. Um, so he's hurting pretty bad. He gives him some stew or whatever. And then Philip asks, asks him a question, and that's when everything kind of starts to fall into place. What was the question? It was it was if some band got back together. Pink Floyd ever get back together yes. or something. That's right. Philip asked him if Pink Floyd ever got back together. And at that point, he realizes what's going on. So um, after he had this full of stew. Yes, the stew. Um, <laughs> so basically, it's at this point that Philip starts to lay it out for him. And what he tells him is, you're not the only one that's found the file. Multiple people throughout time have found this file in different places. Some people further ahead in time than you. Some people further back in time. Philip, for example, is from the 80s when he found the file. Um, on a Commodore. <laughs> on a Commodore 64, yes. Um, and each of the... None of the wizards really talk about their time. They just kind of, because it makes the other wizards jealous and everything else. Um, but there are other wizards. There is a file. They have written a, a shell program to interact with the file. And by creating macros within the shell, it allows you to do different things. So some of the things that they can do, they can fly. They can create beams. They can uh, create, you know, objects out of nothing, basically. Um, they can teleport. They can go back further in time. Um, lots of cool stuff. I mean, lots of, you know, things you would think of magic and it's just manipulating the, the shell program that controls this, the central file. Um, what I found funny about that whole thing is he, Martin thought before he went back there, he was the first person, the first and only person to have discovered this incredible file. And there's hundreds of people all over the time. (laughs) Yeah. Um, some of the things he tells him is uh, there's yeah there's 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 groups of wizards. A lot of them are centered here in this time, but there are wizards in the Far East in different times. Uh, most female wizards all tend to go to Atlantis, and he's like Atlantis is real, and he's like, well, yes and no. There is an Atlantis, so yes, it's real in that perspective. Um, and I don't know when he starts talking about this. I think it's later in the book. But one of the things they talk about is he asks him about. Um, polluting the timeline, and there's no simple answer for it. Basically, nothing you do in the past affects the present, right. and um, they don't know why. They don't know if they're running. One theory is that Philip tells him about is that when they access the file, it's 
rendering a separate version of the world that they're now in, as opposed to quote unquote the real world, um, which that's not really satisfactory to a lot of people. Some people believe at some point during history, something happens and fixes everything, which a lot of people aren't happy with that idea either. Um, but nothing that they do really seems to affect the future. So that's one of the other things about it. Um, but he tells him, he's like, all right, so here's how it's going to go. Um, you're going to become an, my apprentice. I'm going to teach you how to use the shell. Um, you're, there's going to be a test. We're going to make sure that um, you're a decent guy. You're not going to do anything you shouldn't do with the shell, uh, you know, to hurt anyone or anything like that. Um, and, and then you're going to take a test. And if you pass the test, we're going to give you full wizard powers. And you can be immortal. You'll never have to. You'll never have to be hot or cold again. Um, basically, you know, the world is your oyster. Uh, if you fail, follow, though, it's I'm sorry. Rule number one. We'll get to rule number one in a second. Um, but yeah, so as long as you pass the test, then you know you're. It's going to be awesome, dude. Uh, if you fail the test, we're going to uh, tie you up naked, send you back to your time, and basically let whatever happen happen because i'm guessing like most of the rest of the wizards you kind of got in a bit of trouble before you came back here huh and he's like oh yeah i kind of got in trouble you know doing money or whatever and um feels like yeah most of us kind of were in the same thing he didn't really tell him exactly at that point what he what he did or no he did tell him he does tell him he said he had a pontiac fiero and um he proceeded to basically make it uh perfect like it never ran out of gas it never broke down or anything like that and he, they're like, well, he's like, well, how did how did you get caught doing that? And he goes, well, Pontiac contact, contacted me like a year after it was made, and it was like every single one has had to go in for major major problems. Mine's the only one that hasn't, and they want to buy it back and figure out what they did right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Why is that one okay? Yeah, exactly. So, um, but yes, so he's like, you know, you don't really have a choice in this. You're either going to do this or you're not. And he's like, oh, I'm sure, no choice is, you know, great. So he uh, he's like, sure, I'll be a wizard. Um, so it's at this point he starts going through his training. And, yes, we get to rule number one. What's rule number <laughs> one, Ray? Don't make the <laughs> obvious joke. Say it in the voice. Go ahead. Oh, I Go don't ahead. know if I can. Don't make the obvious joke. <laughs> <laughs> About your wand or your staff. Um, so that's one of the things he's. That's one of the things he tells him. He's like, basically, the way the shell works is um, you have to be wearing a wizard robe with certain dimensions, like certain dimensions around uh, uh, the cuffs of your hands. Oh, yep. You have to be wearing a hat with certain dimensions on the hat. And you have to be holding either a wand or a staff that also meets certain dimensions. Um, so they go out, and the next day they decide they're going to go out, and they decide they're going to start working on his staff. So they start looking for the staff, and he's answering some questions about the shell. Um, uh, Philip's staff has is basically just you know it's a long stick, and it's got this bottle on the end of it that's got this kind of red orangish liquid in it. And he's like, you know, what is it? And he's like, well, I tell the locals it's dragon's blood, but it's actually Tabasco. Uh, <laughs> And um, and so he's like, well, what are you going to put on yours? And he, Martin thinks about it, and he ends up popping back in his his original time and comes back, and uh, he ends up making his his staff, um, it, it, you know, it's a staff as well, and he has a silver bust of Santo, the luchador, uh, wrestler, um, yeah, <laughs> wrestler, yes. Uh, so that's going to be on the head of his staff, and it's at this point, um. 
let's see here. So they go to me, and and it's, he's like, all right, well, I'm just going to give you this one of my old robes, and uh, you can wear it for now, but we need to go get you some proper robes made. So he takes him, and they go back to meet Gwen. Um, it's at this point, Gwen, uh, you know, she's kind of measuring or whatever, and they start bringing up some things, and he's like, you know, please don't hit on Gwen, but of course Martin can't help himself and fails miserably. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Uh, and and he asked something or another about being um um uh, celibate and and <laughs> Philip's like, No, that's that's not a thing. What what do you ask? <laughs> <laughs> so basically find out that Gwen, you know, was kind of messing with him. So uh but she decides, you know, she takes the measurements and she's gonna decide on what would be the best robe for Martin. He's like, you know, just just trust her. Gwen's great, she knows what she's doing. Um while they're in there with Gwen, uh, there are some locals there uh, from a, a, a nearby town, and they come in, and they're complaining that the clothes that they're wearing have, have stretched out, and they want them fixed, and they want them fixed for free, and she's kind of like, yes, yeah, fine. She's like, unfortunately, I fixed one person's, and of course, they blabbed to everyone else, and now everyone in the town wants me to fix their stuff, and so she's a little downtrodden about that. And, then they um, have, and after they're done with her, they got to go talk to the... The clog or the the, the cobbler. They have to go talk the to the shoe cobbler. guy. So yeah, um, so they start. Um, and, and at this point, uh, so Philip starts explaining to him what his job is. He's like, he will have a job. You're going to be a wizard. He's like, now basically the 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 whole thing to being a wizard is you have to look wizardly. You have to do wizardy things. Which is basically just picking a simple job, blowing it way out of proportion, seeming mystical, and that's about it. Um, he's like, oftentimes it's more work to look busy than it is to actually be busy. Uh, <laughs> I have had jobs like that, let me tell you. <laughs> um, so has Sean. <laughs> yes. So, uh, so like one of the examples is uh, they go to visit this old woman who lives out of the t- at least lives outside of the town, and she needs a goat moved from one. Uh, one pin to another, and he starts. He start. Oh, I'm sorry. So the uh, uh, all of the shell commands uh, are are accessed by vocal vocal commands. So they basically <laughs> speak these phrases, and it's an Esperanto. And he's like, "Why don't y'all just use Latin?" He's like, "Well, there are actually people here that speak Latin. No one ever spoke Esperanto." He's like, "But he's like, no, no one ever spoke." He's like, "We don't even speak it properly." Like. No one fucking ever spoke it. Um, for, so he's like, there's no worries of anyone. Like the people that invented it don't even speak it. Ex- exactly, yes. <laughs> then, oh. um, Which is why that was like my favorite thing of the whole book. <laughs> who? Which was the actor that he said speaks it? Do what? I thought You're he said right. He said there's one actor that speaks it, and I don't remember who it was uh, right now. I off. thought yeah. it um, Star Trek. Um Shatner? Yes, it was Shatner that speaks, I think. Yeah, he oh. said supposedly Shatner speaks it, and that's about it. He's like the one yeah. person ever that ever spoke it. So. Sean Which kind of seems like a Shatner thing to do. Yeah. Um, the only reason I know what Esperanto is is because somebody talked me into offering a class in that at GeekFest one year, or a program. Are you serious? Wow. Yeah, it was the guy that actually taught for me in Continuing Ed, and he was like, oh yeah, Esperanto is this language that was invented so people can talk to each other all over the world. And I don't know if anybody even showed up, but oh wow! <laughs> oh, that, yeah. 
Has he disappeared? Um, you know. Is he missing for some strange reason and wanted by... Right? The, the, tre- the Treasury Department. The Treasury Department. What is the speed of Eugene? Apparently it's ludicrous speed. It's something, I don't know. Anyway, sorry, chat room. Yeah. Um, <laughs> y'all are killing me, guys. Ludicrous speed! Um, Go! Sorry. <laughs> they went plaid. Uh, wrong movie. Um, so it's at this point they, they, they go back to town, they're talking, and um, Philip demonstrates a, a phrase that he has to you know automatically send him home. So he does this, and it leaves Martin there uh, in the streets by himself. And several people start to come up to him, including this big honking brute named Kluge, which I'm like, really? That's the dude's name? But okay. <laughs> Um, Kluge is a gang leader. His name is the, the gang he's he's the leader of are the bastards, and um, he gets into he, he kind of gets into it with Martin. Now, one of the things that they've already done for Martin is, like I said, he never feels hot or cold anymore. He's not going to age. He cannot be hurt, but he can feel pain. So, like, he's not going to break a rib if if Kluge just beat the dog out of him. He's not going to break a rib or anything like that. But he's going to feel it. It's going to hurt. Um, so he gets into this tiff with Kluge and ends up getting out of it. Um, and the next night, uh, uh, after some more lessons or whatever, um, it's time to meet some of the other wizards. So they, uh, they, they use the hand phone. The hand phone is awesome. Basically you hear this ringing sound. So you put, yeah, you put your arm out or your hand out like the poor Yorick speech and this mystical ball shows up with, whoever it is it's calling you or whatever and you talk to him and um it's uh it's it, it's Gary and Gary calls and he's like hey we're meeting in my place you know here are the coordinates or whatever he's like okay so when they show up um <laughs> Gary is a a um, necromancer or at least that's what he pretends to be and his his cave looks like a giant skull and it's got it's red and it's got, like you know flames and all this you know very necromancery um and when they show up philip's standing in water and they're like why did why did you believe why did you trust gary like you know better than trust gary um so it's a this the wizards we've got gary gary is a um practical joker and uh, kind of the bad type of practical jokes. And I don't mean bad, like harmful, just like he's the only one that really finds it funny. <laughs> um, we've got he Jeff. He's Yes, exactly. We got Jeff. He's a little bit more uptight, uh, but seems pretty, uh, you know, pretty okay. And then we've got Tyler. Uh, Tyler is, was from Montana and is the only black wizard there, in especially in medieval England. Mm-hmm. Um and he even asked me about that. He's like, so how do you, and he's like, oh, I'll just tell him I'm Moorish. <laughs> <laughs> and no one seems to care. And he's also an author. And apparently he comes up with some really bad stories. The, the book at one point he's, he's writing, oh, I think it's in this one. It's, it is, it is in this yeah, one. It's this one, it's this one. Yeah. The ghost of the werewolf's mummies. Revenge or uh, it's something. something. Yeah. It's, it's so yeah, it's got multiple layers. Mm-hmm. Um, so they go into the cave and, you know, it, it looks very much like a cave. Uh, and then there's a side room and it literally looks like, I think like a 1990s bachelor pad just like threw up in this place. Um, so Gary pops back and forth in time 
to um, uh, get pizza and Diet Coke or Diet Pepsi. Uh, and they play board games. They play board games all night. Um, Philip r- runs outside to go use the restroom, and it's at that point that uh, uh, Martin starts asking the other guys. He's like, "Hey, um, yeah, when I was left by myself, like Kluge and a bunch of other people, like like tried to jump me and stuff, and like the natives kind of like really like try to give me the beat down, and they're like, yeah, we, we've noticed that too. That tends to happen.' And he's like, "Philip seems to be like." oblivious to it they're like yeah most people tend to like philip but he just he doesn't get it like he doesn't see it like the rest of us see it so um so anyway uh so they have any an interesting evening with that uh they bring up the fact that tyler is the only one who doesn't like go to the bathroom in that time he, every time he gets to go to the bathroom he literally goes back to his original time uh, to use the bathroom <laughs> yes and comes back and they're like the way we figured he's been doing this for years like his toilet's been in constant use for the last like six yeah. or seven months or something like that it's ridiculous yeah um but yeah so it, it, it's some of those funny things so um oh and then it, it, the next day they have some more wizardy duties to do and they meet it with uh bishop galbraith who's the head of the church and he, Martin kind of asked about these, like, you know, you're a wizard, and he's, you know, uh, from the church. How does that get along? And he's like, well, basically, you know, they kind of explain magic as, well, I mean, magic, and there's some wizards that are good, some wizards that are bad, but, you know, are bad. So, and it kind of works out. So they perform an exorcism on a on a kid. Just to go into that a little bit more, I really like the way that he... That was the best explanation of religion I've heard. Yeah. It, makes it that's what it is <laughs> the whole the whole thing is based on uh you not understanding it yeah and yes and you know if if they can't explain something we're not meant to understand it exactly. and, yeah but that's God's what will. it is that's what religion is where it's, it makes total that is the best definition of religion i've ever heard yeah i, I really enjoyed the and then and he said and he you know he goes into it he's like What's to say that they're not right? Maybe this, uh, maybe this, you know, we know that we are a computer program now. Maybe the guy that created the initials are G-O-D. And exactly. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe there is, it has only been 5,000 cycles of this program. And, and maybe they're, maybe they're right that way. So I, I thought that was really yeah. good. I like, I yeah. yeah, I liked that explanation. Um. The exorcism that they do is basically uh, <laughs> what it boils down to is is this poor kid lives with his overbearing father, his over nurturing mother, and his over nurturing like three sisters, and he's a teenage kid, and they're like they're like they I thought you say he's possessed. Yeah. yeah, they won't leave him alone. They're like, What we we just told you, idiot. He's he's a teenage kid. Yeah. That that's it. That's <laughs> That's all the explanation you need. So they perform this exorcism or whatever and kind of scare the parents or whatever and the sisters and basically telling them, you know, look, just listen to your dad. You only have to be there a little bit longer. You know, listen to your mom. Just put up with them. Try to be nice. We're going to tell them the same thing. Listen, you know, he's been through a lot. Give him some space, so on and so forth. So um, so uh, any any thoughts up, any other thoughts up to this point in the book? Um, my my initial thought when he went back in time and just arbitrarily decided to go and then just to stay was that 
just seemed like very rash that whole series of events was that just me or i mean it's the way he just like okay yeah i'm just gonna go and leave my life behind forever and all modern conveniences and the way we do everything i know he yeah, can go back anytime he but seemed you know like I mean? a really Im- he seems like a really immature 20 something year old that he's like well yeah goodbye it's fine yeah, because right. that medieval time is sort of romanticized, right? Like yeah. it's supposed to be a calmer, simpler life where everybody's happier, and it's just except and, you know you die at thirty-five and yeah. By well, and, and well, he my, also didn't have a lot going back. Like if you think about it, like he said he had his parents, and he didn't really seem to have any real friends or anything. So it's no, not like he was not. leaving a lot of people or whatever. But I looked yeah. at it as also the fact that like. You know, even if he had the shell in modern time, he wouldn't be able to do any of that stuff. Like people would try to yeah, constantly try to figure it out. Whereas yeah. back then, it was just, oh well, you're a wizard, you can do this shit. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I guess part partly what would have bothered me is leaving the people behind, but then also like deodorant, toothpaste. You know, like <laughs> I can't imagine what, it back then, what I would have smelled like. You know. <laughs> Even though he had magic, I was just like, man, he just completely gave it all up. Okay. I think if my... I, because he, he's 23, I think if we weren't together at that age, and oh, you I discovered gone. this, I would have been like, he's out. See you later. Bye, everybody. I'm out. I would, I would just... have had to at least try it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'd go too. And because uh, and, you would think if you did it right, you'd think you'd be able to come back anytime you wanted. Yeah. So. But I'd be gone. And hot second I oh yeah. yeah yeah especially the powers that you're given like the oh the abilities yeah. or whatever yeah which brings us to the next ability he's like uh so uh, today we're gonna learn to fly <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> and the flying scene is awesome because he shows up in this field and um um two of the other wizards are there tyler's not there uh jeff and gary are there and they're like this is gonna be great and he's like okay why he's like well You'll see. Uh, <laughs> so he proceeds. He, you know, uh, Philip tells him, uh, you know, hold your staff out, and basically you're going to use it ahead of you and, like, use it to kind of fly or whatever. And don't make the obvious just, joke. Yeah. Yes, don't make the obvious joke. And so he flies up a little ways, and the other guys follow him up. And they're like um, – he, he starts kind of figuring it out, and he's like, you know, you kind of tilt forward to go this way, and – He's starting to figure it out, and he's starting to make some loops, and he's doing an all right job. And then a duck kind of comes out of nowhere, and he reacts the way you normally would. So he like you know pulls back, which of course immediately stops his 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 momentum, which cracks him like a whip, which causes him to flail around a little bit. And at one point, he's literally falling to the earth, sitting on the duck somehow or another, um, and bounces. And and when the wizards come down to check on him. He's like, oh, good, they're checking on me. And literally they're measuring how far he he bounced. And they're like, uh, he only bounced so far. You won this one, Philip. He's like, well, he didn't he didn't eat the stew uh, uh, breakfast bar that I made him or whatever. So, so I lost that even... bet. Because so, <laughs> at this point he's getting fed up with stew. Um, <laughs> so let's see here. So um, he gets his um, – Oh, uh, Philip at this point also shows him that you can conjure stuff from the hat. Uh, and he's like conjures a burrito and he's like, so why the fuck have we been eating stew all this time? <laughs> and and uh, I love it. I love it. He, Philip's like, 
Have you ever seen me eating the stew? Yeah. I, I don't eat the stew. <laughs> I don't eat the stew. Oh, um, I love it. A little bit, yes. of, but you kind of like Martin sort of deserves it a little bit. Oh yeah, yeah, a little bit, yeah, a little bit, just just enough. <laughs> Keep him in line. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they go back to Gwen. They get his his robes, and his robes are uh silver sequined. <laughs> yeah, and he loves yeah. it. Um, it's funny. There's there's a scene later in one of the other books when they're kind of uh, talking trash to each other, and and um, Philip brings up the fact that he dresses like a disco ball constantly. Yeah. Um, and so he tells him, "Well, it's at this point that um, in two days you're going to be taking the test." So he he has two days to start working on his 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 macro. He tells him basically what's going to happen is we're gonna you're going to go to the you're going to go to the uh, um, the castle, and it's at the, well. I guess I should start explaining this part too. So, uh, when when Philip came back first, got there, uh, another wizard showed up named Jimmy, and uh, he and Jimmy kind of got along at first, and they're the ones that actually created the shell. Jimmy and and Philip are the ones that created the shell and started working on all this stuff. And whereas Philip took a more hands off approach. Uh, even though the, he knows he can't alter the future, uh, Jimmy not so much. Jimmy went to England and renamed it Camelot. London. And London, I'm sorry. Yeah, he went to yeah. London, that's right. London and renamed it Camelot. And he uh, renamed himself Merlin and, and uh, made an entire castle of gold. <laughs> the huge and basic, Yeah. And actually had the uh, king and his son change their name and basically has been dicking around with everything because it doesn't affect the future. So why not? Um, There's a really good explanation as and and as a result, uh, Philip cannot stand Jimmy. He hates Jimmy. Um, And there's a really good explanation he gives later on when uh, they meet Jimmy. Jimmy's very. Uh, outgoing. He's a very like outgoing, nice guy. Like it's kind of hard very, not to like Jimmy. And 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 he asked him. He's like, you know, why is it you hate Jimmy so much? And he said, well, he said there are two types of people in the world. He's like, do you do you play basketball? And he's like, yes. And he's like, you know, what is a foul? It's like, well, a foul is something you're not supposed to do. He goes, that's how we see a foul. Jimmy's the, the other people. Jimmy's people see if sees a foul as something you can get away with for so many times and and it's yeah um which i thought that's it's very interesting because i know people like that like you know breaking the rule is not something you're not supposed to do it's something that you can get away with for so long before things get serious and it's just like no because i'm definitely on the phillips side of things (laughs) um but um so anyway, yeah. he uh, he tells him you've got two days to work on your meeting. So they're gonna go. They're gonna go to Camelot. He's gonna be introduced to all the other wizards. Uh, they're gonna have a big party in his honor. He's gonna have to produce a macro, which is basically his greeting. And what Philip demonstrated was his greeting. Um, and then the next day he'll go through the trials. So he's working on his macro. He gets some stuff from Philip. He gets this little box that he uses. Pardon me to hide his phone. He's asking some of the other wizards, Gary and so on and so forth, about uh, about some different things like uh, with uh, uh, sight and sound and stuff like that. Um, and so they get to Camelot. Like I said, it's huge. It's gold. He meets Jimmy slash Merlin, and his side is uh, his right hand man, Wing Po. 
the mysterious wizard from the east, whose really name, whose actual name is Eddie, and is from New Jersey and has a yeah. thick New Jersey accent, which I fucking loved. I, <laughs> I love Eddie. <laughs> um. So uh, they have this big dinner, and he's like sitting. He has to sit there next to Jimmy or whatever, and Jimmy, you know, lays, you know, you know, uh, makes this a really big thing. Um, and you know, you kind of see the other wizards there, and Tyler's still not there. And of course, everyone's like, "Where the fuck is Tyler?" Wait, wait, wait. Can we talk about the statue real quick? <laughs> oh my god, yes! I almost see that you're on the absolutely... way, in, right? <laughs> you're you're absolutely right. Uh, do you want to you want to talk about the uh, statue, Jen? Yeah. So at some point in the book. Um, when they're talking about how everybody uses the bathroom, um, Philip shows Jimmy or shows Marty his his toilet that he's built, and for some reason it's got like a thirty foot hole where you defecate and pee into, and he doesn't understand it. And then they get to Camelot, and he sees the statue of Jimmy the King and his son, and and him hat. There's a lot of shit basically just falling at intermediate intermittent times um, throughout the day, and they ask one of the locals, you know, what is that? And and he's like very reluctant to say what it is. And finally, he comes out with it, and then he's like, well, when does it happen? Is it on a schedule? And he's like, no, not really. It's just kind of you know sporadic, and sometimes people are walking by and unfortunately get hit, blah blah blah. And so Martin figures out that. <laughs> Philip has built a portal into the bathroom, so every time he uses it, it comes out of Merlin's hat and falls in front of the castle. And it's made of gold too, so yes, I thought it was and, very creative way of shitting all over that uh, statue. Yes, <laughs> and the fact that he brings up specifically, well, why is it thirty feet? He goes terminal velocity. <laughs> <laughs> but he matched it up exactly to how high because. Because Martin asked the local, like, how high would you say that is? About 30 feet, or Philip does. And he's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess so. And that's when it yeah. clicks with Like, I've been peeing outside of this guy's hat for the last week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Best uh, ever. I'm glad you brought that up, because I forgot about that. That does actually play a big part later on, so. Um, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, that's, that's right. <laughs> so, um... They get there, and like I said, there's this big party, there's this big to-do, and they're like, all right, well, it's time for you to demonstrate your macro, and then tomorrow you'll face the trials where you know, you'll either become a wizard or we're going to send you back to your time tied up and naked. Uh, they stress that multiple, multiple times. <laughs> yeah, um, hog-tie you and uh... – Hog-tie you and send you – yeah. Um, and so because it is a greeting, and most of the wizards do different things kind of pertinent to their time – uh, Martin's greeting is basically he pulls out his he pulls out this box that has his his cell phone in it, and proceeds to have this conversation with the, like this little imp or whatever he calls in there, and he gets sucked into the box, and then the box reappears and explodes and turns into multiple boxes, and these boxes like hover in the air and they start swarming around. And they see Martin is inside the swarm of boxes, and then the boxes coalesce into a giant version of Martin um, who lands. And then they see the boxes also start to form a large sheet of cardboard and a boom box. <laughs> and Martin proceeds to start uh, breakdancing on <laughs> giant Martin starts to proceed to breakdance on this giant thing. And they're eating it up. And whenever at the very end, 
uh, hits a beat, everything explodes, everyone's clapping or whatever, and the whole time he's been sitting in the back watching the whole thing. Um, needless to say, the other wizards loved it. They talked with him for a while. They had drinks well into the night. Most of them got hammered. Um, the next morning he wakes up, and he thinks he sees something. He's not really sure. Uh, he thinks he sees something kind of next to um, um, Philip, but he's he he ends up looking at it and he's like, well, I'm, you know, that kind of I'm, my head's hurting or whatever. So he like makes a loud noise, and you know, Philip's like hungover as well, and he's like, shut up. <laughs> um, so once they kind of get themselves together, he's like, all right, well, it's time to go take the trial. Is there anything else? A- you know, any last words or whatever? And he's like, not really. He's like, okay, good. And then they literally just like appear. <laughs> So uh, all the wizards are there, and Philip even makes the comment to Gary. He's like, oh, I see you brought the extra scratchy rope. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so he's on this he's on this platform, and Gary makes this, or, uh, uh, Jimmy makes this little speech, and everything starts to happen. And he's like, all right, it's time for the trials to begin. So Martin braces himself, and they're all watching him. And he sits there, and he's tense, and he's like, you know, shifting his weight, kind of like he's ready, like, you know, like, you know, like a ninja. And he waits, and he waits. And he waits, and he's just like, "All right, guys, what the fuck's going on?" They're like, "Dude, the, the trials were last night, man. Like, yeah. the the macro that you did, we wanted to make sure you weren't going to do anything that was going to hurt anyone. That was one of the things I did, forgot to say that they do have a couple of rules that they live by. Um, you can't you can't perform magic on uh, any human or animal or, or another wizard without them knowing. That's one of their rules. Yeah. Um, no you can't alter anyone's you know, physical being or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so they're like, we wanted to make sure that you wouldn't, you wouldn't do anything like that. And previously they had, they had talked about it. There he's like, well, did anyone ever not pass it? And he's like, yes, there was one wizard that we had to send back because, uh, he created this thing called ghosting, which basically makes you invisible and not there. Kind of like you're a ghost. The problem is, is you still feel like you need to breathe. You still feel like you need to use the bathroom. You still need to drink. So basically the entire time that you're ghosted, um, you feel like you're starving and drowning and suffocating all at the same time. And it's absolutely horrible. And they're like, so we, we banished him. Um, so they're like, well, yeah. Uh, so you, you're an official wizard. So they go back to, uh, they go back to Philip's place and Philip's like, all right, well, you're probably going to be wanting your own place, aren't you? Very soon. Oh, don't yeah. don't stick around for me, Martin. I'm okay. Go. <laughs> Basically We're... telling him, get the fuck out. Go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so he ends Is up getting there... a spot. Oh, go on. When did he see uh, the thing with the fire? Was that not before he left Camelot? The thing with the fire. Remember fire. He, he saw someone. He thought he saw like a person. Yeah, that was, oh, that was the, that that was was... the thing. Well, there was Philip two times. The... Remember, the first time was when he was at Phillips and he saw something else next to Philip, and then he saw like something again. Oh, I think the next time was in his 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 place because he ends up getting a place um, in Camelot, and um, Eddie helped him find a place in Camelot. And I think he woke up that morning, and that's when he he had the second vision of it. So I don't remember that part. Okay, but I anyway. thought somebody was with him when he saw it because both times because. He was like, how did you do that? And nobody knew what he was talking about or something. I don't know. I don't remember. I have to go back and listen to it. Um, Which I'm not not opposed to. Um, (laughs) So anyway, um, 
he ends up he uh uh he goes back to, he ends up getting a place he goes back to his own time he grabs he grabs his bed stuff he makes an order from Amazon and has it show up to his house so he grabs that real quick from his parents and sets up a computer and is is basically kind of settling into his new life there in Camelot and he gets a phone call from Gary uh on the hand phone um so he shows up to Gary's and Gwen's there and she's completely distraught and Jeff's there as well and it's at this point that they say um, basically what happened was they're like, you know, Gwen saw something and she proceeds to tell them the small town that she was altering the clothes for the people is called Rickard's Bend. She goes to Rickard's Bend and everyone is dead. Um, and they're like, what do you mean everyone's dead? She's like, everyone is dead, 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 dead. And so they're like, all right, well, we're going to go check it out. So, so all three of the wizards and Gwen go to Rickard's Bend, and they get to looking around, and they're kind of talking to each other quietly. They're like, you know, he starts talking to Gary. He's like, Gary, all of these people seem extremely short. They're kind of short. And he's like, they look like hobbies. He's like, oh, my God, yeah, that's it. Um, they're like, obviously a wizard did this. And it's at this point, Kludge jumps out. They even say that looks like this obviously had to be done by a wizard. Kludge jumps out, gets the drop on him. And knocks them all out. And uh, when they wake up, they're tied to a tree. Uh, they can't. They can't talk. They can't access. They don't have. They can't reach their wands. They can't reach their staffs. They can't reach anything. Um, and Kluge has their wands. I'm sorry. Has their staffs. The uh, the boy that they help with the exorcism exorcism early tries to help him out, but really can't help him out too much. Um, and Gwen's kind of off on her own. You know, they've they've got her, but they're kind of holding her on her own. And uh, once they wake up, Kluge comes over and basically tells them, you're going to tell me what you did and how you did it. And if you don't, you know, I'm going to beat the tar out of you. He immediately starts talking to Gary. Gary's the first one he's talking to. Gary's like, I'm not going to, we're not, we're not going to talk. No matter what you do, we're not going to talk. He's like, well, if I can't get y'all to talk, then maybe I'll just, you know, maybe I'll hurt her and that will make you talk. And so he calls over his biggest guy. Biggest guy comes over. He's like literally twice the size of Gwen. And, um, Right before he's basically like, well, you know, y'all aren't going to say anything, so this is what's going to happen. And as he reaches to basically grab Gwen, she ends up pulling two magic wands out of her robe, which like is actually, boss. yeah, like a boss, well, uh, because her robe is not only, yeah, her robe is not only her robe, but it's also her hood is actually her hat. And she proceeds to uh, basically just fuck them up. Uh, like she levitates Kluge like way high up in the air and is threatening to drop him and stuff. Um, they free the other three wizards. They grab the kid and tell him that, you know, they're going to hurt him or whatever if anyone tries to follow him or whatever. And they, they all teleport, teleport back to Lead Church. They let the kid go. Of course, they never meant to harm him or whatever. And they're like, you're a wizard? You? Oh, my God, you're a wizard, Gwen? How did we never know this? And she's like, Martin, you're – Martin, your uh, your robes are made out of sequins. Those weren't invented until the 1970s. Classic yeah, yes. sequins, buddy. Yes. How did you not see that coming? Yeah. yeah, how did you not get that? Yeah. Oh. And so anyway, they're having this conversation. They're like, obviously a wizard did this. And they're like, well, who has who is hiding something? And the first one they, they think of is Philip. Everyone dismisses this except for Poor Martin. Philip. Which yeah, which that was, that was... Yeah, and and I felt bad for him, but um, the way that they wrote it, uh, I thought was really genius. In the way that he's not allowed, he doesn't allow anybody upstairs of his little spot. Uh, he's got a force field, so it can only be him that walks up there. Don't and invite he, you in. And no, he nobody can even get up there. And then, well, unless uh, he gives you permission. 
Well, I guess so, but yeah. he just, yeah. Anyway, so the other thing that I liked was that uh, he'd go up there doing nothing. And it was very, very important that everybody understand that he does nothing up there. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, that was. And there's nothing up there. Yeah. There's nothing up there. and he There's does nothing. nothing up there, and I'm not doing anything. But you can't go up there to verify <laughs> the fact you, that no, I'm doing that. No. Yeah. That's because right. Just believe I, that. I'm doing nothing. <laughs> uh, well, everyone immediately says no. It couldn't be Philip, and he's like, guys, we have to, you know, uh, we have to eliminate everyone, of course, well, but in, who's the, the only one that we know that's like not doing with them, They can't find him, right? He's mysteriously yes. disappeared at this time. Yeah. Yeah. No one that's can contact Philip. And... Yes, because he's doing nothing. Yeah. He's ignoring everybody. <laughs> yeah. Um, so reluctantly, they're like, fine, we're going to go to Philip's place. They go to Philip's place, and they call up to him, and he comes down, and they're like, what are you doing up there, Philip? And he's like, nothing. There's nothing up there. And they're like, they tell him what's happening, and they're like, we have to see what's up there. And he balks, and he's like, no, you can't see it. And they're like, Phil, we don't want to have to do this, but we have to do this. We have to clear you. And he's like, he reluctantly says, fine, I'll let you up there. So he lets him up there. Done, I was almost done anyway. Fuck you guys. So let's go. Yes. And so they go up there, and it literally looks like a 1980s bachelor pad. Like, he's got a gorf machine. He's got a wet bar. And he has this Pontiac Fiero, like, almost done. Like, the only thing that hasn't been done is, like, one of the taillights. Yeah. And he's literally like, I was literally putting the last thing together. One of the things they talked about in the book is that uh, when you bring stuff back and forth through time or teleport stuff, it can't be too large. So if something is large and complex, you literally have to take it one piece at a time, which is obviously what Phil did. He has been going over time, back and forth through time, disassembling this Pontiac Fiero and bringing it back through time to reassemble it. Piece by piece, yeah. Piece by piece. Um, he feels like garbage. They feel like garbage. Um, and it's at this point they're like, well, obviously we have to do something. And as much as I hate fucking Jimmy, we're going to go have to go. We have to go talk to Jimmy. Um, and it's at this point they hear a dog barking and they're like, what the fuck is up with this dog? Like this dog is everywhere and this dog won't shut up. And Philip thinks about it for a second and makes a comment and makes, draws a circle on the ground and walks over to his computer and says, yes. And he's doing some stuff. And all of a sudden Tyler appears, Tyler has been ghosted and is like, he needs water. He's sucking down water. He immediately goes back to his time to use the bathroom, comes back. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, how the fuck did y'all not know it was me? He's like, Martin, you saw me like twice and like didn't say anything. And he's like, and you two idiots talking to the other two guys. He's like, I've been yelling at y'all all this time. Of course, it sounds like a dog barking or whatever, but whatever. And y'all never picked up on it. He was like, I howled, and you read my book. You should have known that that was the sound yeah. they made or something. <laughs> yes, of the, the wolf, the ghost wolf man. Or, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it's at this point, he tells, him, he tells him what's happened. He went to Rickard's Bend to get information for his next book where he meets Jimmy, and Jimmy proceeds to tell him his master plan of turning everyone in Rickard's Bend into hobbits. And he's slowly been surely doing it over time. Um and that, you know, what do you think of this idea? And he said, that's a horrible idea. I'm going to have to tell everyone else what you're doing because you're breaking one of the rules. And at which point, Jimmy ghosts him. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're like, well, we definitely have to talk to Jimmy. So they contact all of the other wizards, including the Magnuses, <laughs> which <laughs> I think is hilarious. I forgot about the Magnuses. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the two wizards, they're both named Magnus. Uh, because um, 
but they get all the other wizards together. They get all the other wizards together. They go to Camelot. They're all wearing sunglasses because of the way the sun glints off of the fucking gold. Um, and they're, they're met by Eddie. And um, he's like, yeah, Merlin's been waiting for y'all. You know, come on in or whatever. So they go into Merlin's office, uh, which is a funny scene because they literally have to pile in one person at a time. So they're like, you know, normally you'd want to storm in as a group, but because it's just a single door, you know, it kind of takes some of this, the, yeah. the fury out of it. So <laughs> they get into the office and Jimmy blatantly just says, yeah, this is what I've been doing. I've been, I have turned all the people in records been here into hobbits and I'm turning these people into uh, yep. elves and I'm going to have um, um, dwarfs, dwarfs and they're going to have gold and orcs. it's, and it's orcs, orcs. Yeah. yeah. And it's going to be awesome. Orcs at that point yet. Do I? I don't think he mentions the orcs yet. Elves. No, he doesn't mention the orcs oh, yet. No. It's the, elves, oh. the elves and the dwarves he mentions, but yeah. Yeah. And so he's like, and at this point, Eddie's furious because Eddie Eddie did not know any of these plans. He's like been he's like he's been my best friend forever, and told tells supposedly tells me everything, but apparently just told Tyler on a whim what he was doing, and of course was doing all this other shit. So Tyler, like Eddie, is furious at him. Um, oh, by the way, you killed a whole town. Oh yes, awesome. and you killed a whole fucking town. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, can you please just let let me try to explain this? And they're like, fine. So they all. Uh, grab each other's shoulder, they all teleport, and they're outside of Camelot. And Jimmy's like, Oh, by the way, I've been, yeah, I've been doing all this stuff. I've also made orcs, and I have an army of orcs. And there's literally this fucking army of orcs behind him. Um, and he's like, Yeah, the, the transformation's been kind of painful with all the teeth and stuff, and they're, they're yeah. not really happy. And they're not yeah. done yet, but you know, they're, they're baking away. It's a work in progress. Oh, <laughs> uh, and he basically tells him if it's, you know, listen, you know, if you think this is a good idea, step forward and join me. And if not, stay there. Well, no one, including Eddie, joins him. Uh, and it's at this point he tells him, well, by the way, I've I've erected this force field around uh, Camelot and everyone on that side of the force field has lost all of your powers and proceeds to sick the orcs on them. So you've got all of these mostly middle aged men who have not had to really do any exercise, mainly have been teleporting, trying their best to run away. Thank God the orcs are not very good condition, otherwise they would have caught them. Um, running away into the forest, trying to get away from these orcs. And uh, it's at this point Martin realizes he still has his phone, so he still has some ability. So he uses his hover, so he's doing his uh, hovering thing, and Philip gets the idea that he's going to basically ride him like a hoverboard. <laughs> yep. Which I love that scene. <laughs> and so they're trying to figure out what to do. And um, it wasn't Gary. Who was it? It was Jeff. Jeff gets an idea for what he can do to kind of scare off the orcs. And he literally uses his phone and pulls in. They're basically the animated gifts of um, some of these monsters from Doom. And there are these large monsters, like they don't even turn. They literally look like an 8-bit monster in real life, throwing these flames, which don't hurt anyone. But they manage to scare off the orcs and give them enough time to come up with a plan. Um, And their plan is Martin is going to um, basically go back. He's going to use his phone. He's going to teleport back to Camelot, and he's going to try to uh, um, – 
keep Jimmy busy while the other uh, wizards teleport back to Philip's place so that they can start, you know, trying to get to their computers and figure out what the hell they're going to do. One at a time, right? Using Jeff's phone? Yeah, one at a time. Uh, because it is on a, it's it's a phone and it's hard. So uh, Martin teleports back. He's within the dome. He now has all of his power. So he starts flying around uh, Camelot, you know, shouting um, Mar- uh, Merlin's name, uh, basically trying to call him out. So they start teleporting back. And by the time Philip's like, this is taking too long. I think I've got another idea. So <laughs> he proceeds to uh, um, they they uh, whenever they teleport back. Um, he finds like everyone's just kind of chilling or whatever. He's like the first person's on the computer trying to figure out successful stuff to do. One guy's over trying to like pry the, the, the box open on the Gorf machine. One guy's like just mixing a drink and like just hanging out or whatever. Um, so Phillip's like, all right, we have to head back to my, we have to head back to my place. I don't know the coordinates right offhand and proceeds to kick open a door and him and Gwen get in the Pontiac Fiero and start hauling ass through the little town blaring phil collins because phil collins right of course (laughs) because all of his music uh all of his music is so awesome and it's about sadness and everything else and she's like does he ever sing about anything else but sadness and heartbreak he's like well when you're this good singing about it why would you sing about anything else um so um uh uh phil i'm sorry uh martin lands jimmy comes out to uh, uh 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 you know meet him or whatever uh, Martin transforms into his giant silver self or whatever, and then Jimmy proceeds to do kind of the same thing. He's altered the macro a little bit, but instead of instead of uh, boxes, it's like glowing spheres. And they have this huge battle inside the castle. Uh, and they're kind, you know, he's kind of tauntinging back and forth. They're neither one of them is doing a great job of fighting each other, but, but Martin's definitely kind of more so on the receiving end. Um, and um, as they're as they're having this battle. It ends up out in the courtyard, and he basically has Jimmy, you know, confess everything as he's talking about. It. He's like, you know, listen. He's like, you know, you've heard all these people, this, that, and the other. And he's like, it doesn't fucking matter. He's like, we don't fucking matter. We're all pro- computer programs. These people that I've been affecting don't matter. It doesn't change the future. They're just fucking sub, you know, uh, programs and you right. know, subroutines in a program. I love that he thought that, like Martin. I thought you would understand it because you know you're creative and. I thought I I could use you on my side and like, how can you not see how awesome this would be? We can create whatever we want here, whatever (laughs) reality we want. Yeah, exactly. So why not live in an ultimate fantasy? Yeah. Yeah. Um, he ends up, uh, uh, knocking Martin, you know, out to the point that like he transforms back to normal Martin or whatever. And he's like, well, you know, there is a spell that I could just basically disappear you. And he's like, so what would you have me do? Would you have me send you back to your time? Do you want to continue living here with no powers? Or should I just kill you? And it's at this point that the reason why Philip had to get back to his house is uh, him and Gwen end up constructing this long rope made out of the hammock that uh, Martin was sleeping in and proceed to climb down it, down the toilet to the top (laughs) of the statue, which is why it was important that Jennifer brought that up earlier because that's how they get back into Camelot. Yeah. Um, once he's there, of course, Philip now has his powers back, but he's standing there having a conversation with uh, um, Jimmy and, and, and Martin. And Jimmy's like, what are you going to do, Philip? You're not a bad guy. You're not going to kill me. You're not going to ghost me. 
what are you going to do? Send me back? You have the same powers I do. And he's like, you're right. I can't kill you. I'm not that type of person. Uh, but I can hurt you really bad and proceeds to swing his staff and basically hit Jimmy in the face with a Tabasco sauce, um, which incapacitates that. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Searing, um, (laughs) searing pain. Um, so they end up taking Jimmy, they strip him of his powers. They are telling him, they basically tell him, you know, we're not going to kill you, but we are going to set it up so that you can't come within like 10 feet. Of or it's further than that, maybe it's fifty feet. Up thirty, 30, yeah. 30 feet. You are not you will not be able to come across come close to any thirty feet of anything that has an electronic circuit in it. It will instantly stop. Um your um immortality is gonna be gone. We are sending you back to the nineteen eighties to Brazil. <laughs> I love this part. <laughs> Uh, he's going to Argentina. Argentina. And they Arge- I'm sorry, Argentina and they painted Brazil on Brazil his Brazil number 1 on his no, on his chest. Know. Yeah. Now, just so that you I, I was telling this to a friend of mine, she's from, from Argentina. Argentina. Mm-hmm. And I said one of the punishments was, you know, this uh and there that was where the World Cup was uh in the 80s and uh or at that particular time. And uh and I said, so I said what would have happened? And she's laughing. She's like he would have got the shit kicked out of him like <laughs> hard. <laughs> like, exactly. It was legit. Like, oh yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> um, so it's funny. He's like, "Well, do you have any last words?" And of course, right before he says it, something, Philip's like, "Too bad," and just sends him back. Yeah, <laughs> yes, uh, too bad. Oh, <laughs> um, I loved Philip's like way. He didn't even try to hide his disdain for him, and he yeah. would just throw comments out, you know, throughout their visit. And you could, he, yeah. he was just, like you said, he so refused, witty. And refused to call him Merlin. Merlin. Refused, yeah. yeah. And at one point he's friends. Like, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Philip. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you watched oh. the movie, but it's like, it's like watching Whoopi Goldberg talk about Donald Trump because she refuses to call him the president. She yes. calls him the guy in the White House. Mm-hmm. Refuses to call him by his name. Who's called Mr. President? Everything because she hates him so much. It's that like guy. that. That, like, that guy that in guy. the White House. The reality. Just call him yeah. Pardon? I just call him 45. He doesn't get. Yeah, she calls him 45 sometimes. Yeah, but just the fact that she just so dislikes him that she refuses to acknowledge his position. It's like, Philip, yep. just fuck you. You're not yep. Merlin. You're Jimmy. Exactly. Nothing you could do could make every- Merlin. And when he says his name, it's always with disdain. It's always Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. Oh, so um, it's at this point they decide they need a new chairman. Philip kind of ends up taking on the role. Uh, One of his first things is basically Eddie and Martin are going to help the monarchy because it becomes very clear that without the wizard's help, the monarchy is going to fall because they're all idiots. Um. But they end up having this big party, and because they can time travel and they can teleport, teleport, they basically go to everyone's place and see what's there and everything else. Everyone gets to come hang out at Phillips and everything else. Um, so um, Gwen and, and, and Martin have a moment, and she's basically like, you know, after this, I'm, I'm going to go to Atlantis. And he's like, you know, really? And she's like, yeah, you know, women really aren't. There's no, there's not female wizard like they're called witches here, which automatically has a connotation, and that's where most you know uh, female wizards go. And he's like, okay, so, um, they, you know, he asked if he could, you know, give her a kiss 
before she leaves and she's like, sure, but she has this force field still up and he ends up getting thrown away. And it's kind of, it's a scene that's really funny. Um, Perfect way to end it for them. Exactly. Um, And it's at this point that we flash back to the future and uh, the FBI and and, uh, everyone has, uh, has finished talking to his parents and they've left. And then he shows up on the doorstep wearing a suit and he's like, listen, mom, dad, I didn't do anything wrong. I promise I'm fine. I'm okay. I'm actually really happy. Don't worry about me. I'll come back and check on you from time to time. You know, it's not like I'm going away forever or whatever. Um, And so he disappears. And then the last thing that we get is a guy who's watching all of this go down. Who's very old. He's in his sixties. He's on a bicycle. He's writing stuff down in a, uh, in, in pencil on a, on a tablet closes the tablet and starts to ride off on his bike. And when he does, he goes in front of a car and the car immediately shuts off because he's gotten close to it. Uh, so we instantly infer that this is Jimmy mm-hmm. who has managed to survive and has managed to come check in to see what's going on, yeah. uh, which is the setup for the second book, which we're not talking about tonight, but um, so a couple quick things. Number one, overall thoughts on this book, uh, Chris, I loved it. I was a little, uh, wasn't sure because I thought it was about Wizard of Oz. Uh, pleasantly surprised that it wasn't. I didn't understand any of the computer talk, like the coding and, and subroutines. And all. I don't understand any of that. So, um, but it didn't matter because it was a really, really good story. And we listened it to it um, on Audible with the kids in the car. And mm-hmm. They loved it. My son, oh God, Quinn just cracks up. He's sitting in the back. He's howling and snorting and laughing. He thinks it's hilarious. Uh, he loves Murphy <laughs> Miller. The, the two treasury agents thinks they're funny. Um, but it's just a really good story. And it's really creative. And the, and the twist on time travel and, you know, it's sort of, what did we say? It's like the Matrix... Um, Oh, so it's no. like the Matrix meets Harry Potter kind yes, of. Yes, the Matrix meets Harry Potter. That's exactly what it's like. And uh, it's just it's super good. And I'm glad that there's more books because the way it ended, it was like, yes, I knew he's back. Kid just have him come back. He's way too motivated. And so I'm glad that they yep. the way that they ended the first book because yeah, you want to you want to read the second one just to, just to see how he comes back. Yep. Uh, Jennifer. Thoughts? I liked it. It was very uh, fun and, and different, you know, from your typical sci-fi. Uh, and, and it, the characters, you know, really made it um, enjoyable. Philip and, and the banter. And it wasn't just, you know, them going through the motions. They actually had personalities and stuff. Is Ray around? Oh, he had to take the puppy out. Okay. Um, but he loved I... it. Okay. I, yeah, I knew he did. <laughs> yeah, he loves it. Um, I I love this book. I love this series. Um, I have to say, one of the reasons, and I talked about this, one of the reasons why I I love the Bobaverse book so much is because I identified with the main character Bob because of you know certain aspects, not only of his personality but of of the things he has to do. Um, I love this book series because um, let me let me just tell you. I really identify with this because uh, I work at a high school. The high school is um, the, the mascot is the Knights. We are the Knights. In fact, the the uh, it was when 
people come to the school or whatever they refer to, you know, welcome to the to the castle. Um, so if you go along with the analogy of it being a castle, of course, the principal would be the king. And then you'd have, you know, you could assign all these other roles. Uh, when you get to my position, which is the campus technologist, um, I'm able to, you know, make things happen from far away distances, control things without ever actually touching them. And I have a magic box in my office that lets me make stuff out of nothing. Um, so obviously I'm a wizard <laughs> and the fact that it's technology and it's just, it just syncs up. So I, I'll be honest with you. I don't know if I would have necessarily thought of going back in time to be a wizard, you know, if I had found a file like this, but Oh my God, I love this idea. <laughs> so that being said, uh, you, if you do find that file, can you please tell all of us before you do so? Okay. Yes. <laughs> Oh, no, absolutely. We're going back, baby. It's going to okay. be awesome. We're taking in that immortal drive. I'm not dying. Oh, yeah. No, no. Which, so, which, I'm sorry, go into more, like, technical aspect of this story, how is it that this file just exists on all these different servers? Yeah. They, and they, they're from, never... Like, a phone company. And find, I don't know. That, you know, oh. it was just there on all these servers. Like, Who's maintaining it? Where's it? You know, how's it populating in these places? And and that's why that's why Philip says, you know, it could could be a name, could be a guy named God. Sure, we can. Sure, sure. Because they don't. Know. Yeah, because in the no, second book, in the second book, uh, we're introduced to a new character, and he finds it in the 1970s. Yeah, 1970. on a magnetic reel. Yeah. 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 Uh, Roy. Roy. Yeah. Roy. Yes, and I'm sure Roy will become more important later. Yeah. Oh, yes. Roy continued, yes. Yeah. Yes. So, and, and before computers, like, this file is just there and nobody can find it, it, it just, you know. I guess, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. It cause... almost makes you wonder if somehow or another someone finds it, like, maybe in a, a book eventually we they find it, like, in a book or something. Like, <laughs> no, like yeah. sit and, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some other way. It's oh, just, my God, that would be we... awesome, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So yeah, just somebody to they erase a little piece and write something down and next and something know. changes, yeah. <laughs> You're not Who knows? Fuck! Oh shit! Someone's on yeah. an abacus somehow. I don't know. <laughs> um, I had a couple of quick questions I had to ask you because you you especially because you brought up the fact you know if I happen to find this file, can I make sure to tell y'all? So, uh, this goes right along with that. Um, so let me just ask you, what color is your robe gonna be? <laughs> See, I like the trench coat that is discussed in the second. Roy's trench coat? Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Uh, yeah. I would probably have to do something like that. And you know what I would also look forward to big time? It would what? be 68 degrees all the time. <laughs> yep. See, I'm thinking, I don't know. Part Maybe of me wants 72. to say dark blue crushed velvet. I think Ooh. that would be an awesome. Oh. All right. I would go so. to... Atlantis. I'd just hightail it right there. Oh, yeah, I know you would, especially after hearing about it. Uh, <laughs> Everything's made of diamond, and oh, yeah, yeah. That's not even why, I don't think. <laughs> oh, well, that too, you know. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> There's that. <laughs> I just want a little Ampex in their life. I don't know. That doesn't seem there you bad. Go. <laughs> what about you, Jen? Are you going you gonna to sport a robe, and if so, what's gonna, what color is it going to be? Yeah. I'd have to change it up though. I can't wear the same thing all the time and I'm pretty extra. So I want a bright color, you know, like maybe like a, like a coral or a, 
a royal purple or a I kind of like the idea of silver, but I don't know about sequins. Yeah, that's see, sequins. I was. Uh, you're gonna have to I, see. I see you wearing multiple robes, and I see at least one of them being that um, that pizza. Yeah. And for me, one of the things I'd look forward to out of that whole thing is getting to eat whatever you want, and not you know. Anyway. Pulling whatever you want out of your hat? Are you kidding me? That's yep. fucking awesome. I'd be like Dana Troy. I just eat all the chocolate, just all of it, <laughs> constantly. Cherry Coke for days. Yeah. Yep. Would never get done. Um, we—I <laughs> don't know if we talked about it when they went and got pizza. This was one of my favorite things. Is that oh. he, the uh, was it Gary? No, who who goes back? Yeah, to Gary. It's Gary that went yeah, back. Gar- yeah. Gary goes and grabs a pizza from the guys, and then and then he goes to the bathroom, and that's where he exits. Right, and so they're and Tyler's furious. He's like, "Oh man, I told you about bringing the food back like that." He's like, "Man, it's a it's a private place to uh, teleport." <laughs> yeah, but don't I think if I, <laughs> I think if I was in their situation, I might pull a Tyler and just come back to use the bathroom. Oh, I mean, I why not? Right? I I don't care. I grew up camping and pooping in the bush. I really could care less but oh he would definitely pull a tyler for sure or i'd be holding a bunch of plumbing and coming back and creating yeah. my own <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> piece at a time yeah all right yeah. staff or wand ray oh. i would have to do the staff uh yeah donatello that's donatello that'd be awesome cool too but uh i'm thinking i i really like um um, Gandalf's the uh-huh. when he when he's the White Wizard and he's got the wicked little tree oh, at the at end. The end? Yes. I thought that was really cool. Uh, cool. So that, but I would do a hidden wand somewhere as well, like in, in a sleeve or something. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, backup as a backup. Yeah, as a backup for sure. Mm. What about you, Chris? Uh, Ston- uh, staff or wand? Oh, I'd probably hurt myself and trip over the staff a lot. I'd probably. <laughs> I would have to, just for my own personal sanity, would probably have to pick a wand. But I do like Gwen's, like, devil one. Uh-huh. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you, Jen? And then I would do a hidden wand, for sure. I'd say wand, because staffs are just so much work, right? I mean, you gotta, you gotta, <laughs> not making the obvious joke. You have oh, to no, carry it around. I'm trying not to. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, but you gotta like lug it around, and you know, it's just so much easier to carry a little wand. And yeah, <laughs> plus, how many times did they get in trouble because they lost their staff, or they yeah. couldn't, you know, like they couldn't get to it? And a wand, you can hide it on you, or you know, light True. and carry. So, I think I'd still have to go staff. Uh, part of me wants to do a staff, um, and because uh, well, since y'all said wand, it's kind of hard to go with that. But I was. Uh, you already kind of described what you'd want on the head of your wand, uh, your staff. I'm kind of thinking maybe an Optimus Prime, a bust of, of Optimus Prime on the top would yeah. be kind of cool. The other thing I thought about would be really awesome as a staff would be um, uh, just carrying around Darth Maul's double lightsaber. And then like <laughs> when it extends, it would be the actual length that it needs to be. That would be fucking awesome. That would be cool. So, um, and then the last question I have is, and I know we're gonna run a little late, but um just kind of sum up is do you have any idea what you would make your uh your greeting to be what would your what would your macro be like what would you oh see i would have it'd have to be short and sweet because i'd get really bored watching somebody's elaborate breakdancing mm-hmm. macro it would it'd be like when it'd be like no and 
off you go. Yeah. Or, oh, like Shira. Oh my God, that would be <laughs> awesome, actually. That would be an awesome fucking macro. <laughs> Like it has to have sparkles and fireworks and yes, Shira. I have the powers. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. I, I uh, you know what? I know, I know. Mine would be like the Undertaker's uh, entrance. <laughs> nice. That all of a sudden there'd be a dong and nobody could see anything. Oh my god, that'd be <laughs> awesome, actually. <laughs> You'd be your own little pallbearer. Oh yeah, and then and then I'd, I and then all of a sudden there'd be lightning, and you'd see me kind of walking, but I'd be like at different spots every time the lightning struck. <laughs> I'm just like a bunch of neck tattoos, <laughs> craggly hair. See, I'm thinking I would do, I would probably slowly but surely turn into metal, and then get larger and larger, and then fucking just turn into like a giant Optimus Prime and transform, and that'd be fucking awesome. See. I thought you'd. I thought you'd uh, say um, the Ghostbusters trap would come out, and then smoke would come out, and then. Oh, that would be a cool one too. <laughs> that would be a cool one too. <laughs> um, well, that's it for uh, this uh, this episode, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the next book that we're reading is uh, Modern Romance by Aziz Ansari. Um, we're probably going to do the show for that one at the beginning of February, which will be perfect for February. Um. Real quick, what else have you been reading, Ray? Uh, nothing. Uh, the second book. Well, yeah, we've been listening to the second book. Um, okay. I, I've been trying to burn through that one because I want, to get to, I want to get to the third book mm-hmm. and the fourth book. And we finally have uh, we have a credit to get that fourth book now. So Nice. Because um, it's 36 or something like that, Bucks. And so anyway, the, the credits is nice to have. Yes, they um, are. And so, yeah, that's what I'm working on. Uh, I've, I'm going to be going back on nights. Um, so I'll have more time to myself to be reading while I'm wide awake at night and everybody else is sleeping mm-hmm. <laughs> when I come off of nights. So uh, I'll probably get more of the Dan Brown book uh, done or uh, Origins. So uh, okay, cool. I'm hoping to burn through that one pretty quick here. So, yeah, good deal. What about you, uh, Chris? Are you reading anything else? Yeah, I had to go grab it because I couldn't actually remember what it was called. <laughs> it's it's by one of my favorite authors, Sherry Lynn Kenyon. It's called Born of Vengeance. It's it's one of the League uh, from the League series. It's the latest one. Oh, look mm-hmm. at that romance cover. Look at that romance Ooh. cover. It's 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 sci-fi <laughs> smut. Um, so yes. that's, that's you need to recommend that we should we should you want to read some sci-fi smut for sure i have no problem reading sci-fi smut for the book club the whole point of this book club is to expand our our reading template to read things christy Christy would read it and she'd probably join you (laughs) there's a couple of of series that she's got that i would reread again well already then seriously okay throw them out there in the recommendations our next our next round, yes. Our next round. I'm gonna. All right, cool. Uh, Jennifer, what else? Have you been reading anything else? Um, I listened to the second book, and I read. It's a really quick read. We should all be feminists by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. I think that's how you say her name. It's only like okay. sixty pages. Very small book, but it was very good. Um. So yeah, that's it for me. Very cool. Um. 
I had a chance to go back and, and reread, uh, and I got a few more credits. Um, I've been reading the Alter World series. Uh, the first book is um, Alter World, the second one, The Clan, and then The Duty. And it's it's an interesting series. I don't know if I'll recommend it for the book club, but basically it's um, there's a term for this type of uh, fiction now. I can't remember what it's called. Um I'll have to look it up, but it's 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 this idea that people are living their life in a like a role playing game, mm-hmm. um, and so it, it's kind of interesting. I've been reading it, and actually, uh, I've already finished our next book, Modern Romance, and I went back and just finished rereading a uh, a book called um, Mating in Captivity, uh, which is a really interesting book about um, uh, sexuality in modern marriages. So. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's it's actually really good. So, um, well, that is our show for the week, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, if you would please give us a five star rating on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Music, it really does help us out. Uh, if you have a book suggestion, just... trying to figure out what our next uh, few books are going to be. Uh, we're trying to plan out for at least the next six months, maybe even the next year. We'll see. Uh, depending on how many recommendations we get. Um, if you want to find us online, uh, you can find us at epicallygeeky.com. We're also on epicallygeeky at uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Where can we find you online, Ray? Uh, the uh, League Life Artist on Instagram is pretty much the only one I'm on now. Uh, okay. I'm posting some stuff sooner than later, I swear. Uh, again, just been staying you away. You owe from- no one nothing. Just tell them I'll post when I feel like it, damn it. Okay. <laughs> Someday. <laughs> we can find Yeah. <laughs> we we can find Chris at epicallygeeky.com. Yes. Yeah. Where, where can we find you, Jen? Um, Instagram and Twitter at Het's gonna be me. And you can follow my individual wacky adventure online at Optimus Gene on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For everyone on the site, have a good night. has been a presentation of the Epically Geeky Network. 